evangelism doesn't stop at the pastor. It doesn't stop at the church staff. It was never meant to stop at a certain type of person. It is to be done by every person that calls themselves a Christian. If you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, book of John, chapter number four. John, chapter number four. And we don't need to stand, but we can read it all together. John chapter number 4 and verse number 1 to 8 is what we will read. And then I will jump down to verse 31 to 34 and read it myself for you all. Okay? So John chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. Let's, no, you know what? Let's all stand. Let's all stand and read it. It will be good for us. Good exercise too. All right, let's read. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. And then verse 31 to 34, you don't have to read it, but here's what it says. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You can all be seated. Athletes and actors, military personnel, and outdoorsmen, they all tend to have different diets. Now, I'm not the best person to talk about diets, but there are many trendy diets that are out there, and they will say, usually, cut out the carbs and add more of the protein in there, and. The truth is, diets have a variety of different opinions around them, and they vary from person to person. But, but you'll notice from person to person, they never agree. Actors, especially the ones that take up the roles of a superhero in movies, they're told to have diets of 4,000 to 6,000 calories a day. And then there's the military personnel. They're told to eat low-fat dairy and eat lean protein, and uh, also to eat whole grain foods and fruit. Then the outdoorsmen, the ones who are out camping and hiking, sometimes hunting, they're the ones who are told to scavenge and hunt for their food, but also take emergency foods with them in case they need extra protein and calories in their bodies, in case they run out of energy. Then there's the athletes, and they're told to eat lots of protein, and they'll eat their carbs from whole grain foods as well. They strive to never eat baked goods, apparently, and how often would they eat 
Well, they're told to eat seven to eight times a day with protein drinks in between workout sessions. In fact, one athlete in particular, he had a very strong opinion named Cristiano Ronaldo. He made the news especially last month. And what he did was uh, right after a game against Hungary, Portugal versus Hungary, ironically it's Hungary, but uh, Portugal versus Hungary, he sat down where the, they're about to take an interview. And of course, in these interview rooms, they have brands, right? They have Coca-Cola, they have Nike, and they have all kinds of brands for these athletes. Well, sure enough, as Cristiano Ronaldo sat down, he noticed two Coke bottles to his side. Now, one thing to know about Ronaldo is that, uh, according to Instagram, he has the most followers. He's hitting close to 300 million followers now on Instagram. He's the highest. And according to them, whatever Ronaldo does or says or, or thinks and he posts about, it will tip the scale of the stock market. So here's what happened. He sat down and he noticed the Coca-Cola bottles and sure enough, he doesn't drink Coca-Cola. Actually, he doesn't drink any soda. It's not part of an athlete's diet. So he moved the Coca-Cola bottles aside, away from the view of the camera, then he replaced it with water, and he said, drink water, in uh, Portuguese. That day, that day alone, after that one moment, Coca-Cola reported that they lost $4 billion in their stock market after Cristiano Ronaldo did that. Many dietitians came right after and anti-obesity campaigns praised Ronaldo because he made that move. But the truth was that Ronaldo never had soda in his diet. That was the main reason he didn't endorse such a thing. Now, perhaps when we were reading through this, you didn't see the appetite or the diet thing coming. But perhaps 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus might have authored a new type of diet to replace doing the will of God instead of eating. This diet, of course, is not for your physical health, though, but it's more for your spiritual health. But the interesting thing about this moment is that Jesus rejected the physical food, though he was physically hungry, but he replaced it with spiritual food. And what he ended up saying was that his meat was to do the Father's will. That shouldn't come to us by any surprise, really, because oftentimes when Christ talks, he blurs the lines between the spiritual world and the physical world. Oftentimes you see a merging happening, and I think that's because Jesus wants us to realize that the physical world and the spiritual world are not so far apart from each other. They're actually intertwined. Now, it should also come by no surprise that Christ, even while he was talking to this lady, this is the Samaritan woman at the well, even while talking with her, at first he asked, give me to drink. And then the woman asked, I'm a Samaritan woman. You really want me to give you drink? You're a Jew. You're a Jewish man. And then, sure enough, he says, well, if you knew who I really was, you would ask me to drink, to drink from. 
So Christ really does blur the, the lines between the physical and the spiritual. And his response to his disciples ought to make us ask one thing. Have we as Christians forgotten to feed ourselves? Have we forgotten how to do God's will? And thus, have we been starving? How can seeking to do the will of God fill us and satisfy us? Before we answer this, we'll open up in a word of prayer and give it over to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for today, for everyone that is here, everyone watching over the internet. And I do pray, Lord, that you would help us to answer this question, this meet. How do we want to do your will? And how can we fill our spiritual life so that we can grow as Christians, become strong Christians, and even perhaps we need to change our appetites in a certain way. I pray, Father, that in, through this message that you would speak to us and help us to study your word as well through it. Thank you, Lord, for all you do in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I believe you find the answer in what Christ said to his disciples. So the disciples asked, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And his response was, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So let's talk about the meat. What is the meat? Now, oftentimes when we talk about meat, we talk about flesh, right? That's in our daily, in our daily talk. When we say meat, we want flesh. We want muscles. We want, you know, the, the chicken. We want the pork or the beef. That's what we always, when we bring up the word meat, that's what we want. By definition, though, there's a high probability even that during this time, Somebody who was traveling most likely would not have had meat. If you think about it, back in the time, it was very hard to even uh, keep things fresh, right? You had to dry things up in order to transport it from place to place to place. It's very likely the disciples, not having that much money either, may not have had meat. In fact, the only time where that's recorded where tra during travel somebody had meat in their lunchbox is that kid with the five loaves and two fish, right? So by definition, what is the meat? You see, in our day and age, we also use the word meat in other, in other types of foods. Let's say a mango between the skin and the core between the seed and the, and the skin, that's meat. In an avocado, the green part of an avocado is usually the meat. So the main part of a fruit, that is fundamentally the meat. And the American expression, the meat and potatoes, it's often used to refer to basics or the fundamentals of something. So what is the fundamentals then of Christian living? And it's repeated four times over in the Bible. The just shall live by faith. That's the fundamental. And faith in what? Faith in what God has said in his word. That's the fundamental. When Satan himself tempted Christ during the 40-day fasting of Christ, what was the first temptation? The first temptation was so that Jesus will break 
his fast and eat. And Satan, well, he brought up, well, why don't you just turn the stones into bread? And then Jesus' response was, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Again, he blurred the lines between spiritual and physical. Then Psalm 34, 8 brings up, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. We have living by faith and faith in God's word. And the unfortunate thing is, we as Christians, we often fall into the trap of worrying about our temporal needs, these instincts that we are born with as human beings, and even putting our own needs first oftentimes. We put our own instincts before what God has already said. God has said this, but this is what I want to do, or this is what I feel like I need to do. The disciples were hungry, and what the interesting thing was They didn't actually take Jesus with them. They just left him there. They just left him at the well. And they were honestly thinking just about their own stomachs at that point. The truth is the earthly things are very distracting. Even when we come to church, it is very easy to have our minds wander sometimes during a sermon or a message. We would think of maybe what's for lunch Perhaps we'd think, uh, if we can smell it usually, if we smell like a potluck going on, I wonder what kind of foods are in the potluck. Or instead of wondering, who can I witness to today? How can this sermon change me today? What will God teach me today through his word? Or this sermon through his word? What is God's will for me today? If you want to become a strong Christian, it is necessary for you to start seeking after the right kind of meat and to have a good appetite. Seeking to witness to people, learning to make it a habit to dig into God's word when you read it, serving in church in a specific ministry that, can, that you can call your own, serving and helping other Christians whenever possible. Make seeking to do God's will the greatest priority in your life. That's a start to a good appetite. Someone once said the best way to have joy is to serve Jesus, then others, then yourself. Joy. Jesus, others, yourself. We are quick to teach this to our kids oftentimes, but often we also need to be reminded, stop thinking of ourselves. Start thinking more about God. Start thinking more about others. We're quick to teach this, and perhaps during stressful, th- during stressful times, we forget about it, and we snap back into our instincts again. That's oftentimes how you break a diet. You go back into what you just feel like doing. Take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 24. 18 to, verse 18 to verse 24. And I want you to also notice while you're reading this what comes first in every scenario. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18 to 24. 318 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. 
Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You see, the first thing that ever comes up is every single person does it to someone else first. It's service. It's not about themselves at that point. It's about the other person. Life wants to make us prioritize ourselves. That's just the nature of life. Because we are humans, we are naturally selfish. But if we ever want to seek to do God's will or to fix our appetites, always remember that God is always our highest priority. Then others come next, and then we serve ourselves. So that's the first part. That's the meat. Then the will of him. And that response, this is not a surprise. God had a purpose for Christ to be on earth. That was his will. What was Christ's main objective or main purpose? Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the main objective, why Christ was sent to earth. There are atheist professors today in this day and age that will say that Christ is only a God of convenience. It is often looked at that way because they'll argue that Jesus is only known to the Western civilization. It's only because you were born into a Western civilization, that's the only reason you accepted Christ. Otherwise, you wouldn't have if you were born in an Eastern civilization. I'd like to point out that when Christ came to earth, he first came to an Eastern civilization. So you can bring that up. It was once made the meat of a missionary like Paul and Silas so that Christ would be made known to a Western civilization. Somebody prioritized that in their life so that we would know him. We often tell this beautiful story of how Christ wanted to go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. And despite the racism of the Jewish community, he must needs go through Samaria. He purposefully chose to sit down at the well of Jacob, the forefather of the nation of which he was the promised Messiah. But there is a non-Jewish lady that comes by who does believe in him. And it's extremely poetic. And at the fact that Christ came to, say, to this same one lady, and through her, finally through her, he saved a whole city. And that whole city came to know a Messiah. That's really poetic. But the fact that he was there, he came to save this one lady. That was Christ's meat. That was his top priority. He made that his top priority. The great design of Christ's life on earth was to save mankind and to redeem mankind. There were men that, just like Christ, who made God their highest priority. They forsook this world and decided that though they may have necessities in this world, the will of God is much greater. When you hear about the sufferings that Paul had gone through, the only reason a man can do that is because their meat was to do God's will. 
They understood that they had to put their own needs aside because the wages of sin is really death. And that death is a forever death, an eternal death. They understood that the only solution was Christ Jesus. And if this is real, then this medicine has to be taken all around the world. If this was just a story, well, then it doesn't hurt anyone. Every religion is just about the same thing, right? Because what does it matter if you believe this and that person believes that? It won't hurt anyone. But the problem is, it does hurt people. If the person believes in the wrong gospel, if a person believes in the wrong way to eternity, that hurts them for eternity. The truth is that every religion may say that other religions are the same. That it's not hurting anyone. But if an atheist is wrong, or a non-Christian is wrong, they end up in an eternal place of torment, a literal place of torment. If the non-Christian is wrong, they will suffer eternally. The definition of the word meat in this context, it was very specific that Christ would do God's will. That was the main meat. But then finally, I want to talk about this last point. Who sent him? Who sent me? Do we see the souls of people with a much greater necessity than our own personal needs? Again, do we see the souls of people with a much greater necessity than our own personal needs? Or let's flip that around. Are our own personal needs greater than the eternal souls of people? For these disciples, there was a general belief already, right? They were already in that sort of racist mentality that the Samaritan was below the Jew. They already believed that. Chances are the reason why it took so long for them to even find food is because they had to go back to Jerusalem or back into Judea to find food because they didn't want to have to deal with someone in Samaria to get their food. The idea of loving your fellow man may not even have crossed their mind So not only were they thinking of themselves, but they also had this weird stigma. Our need to eat is great. All right, let's face it. If we were in the disciples' feet, in their boots, sandals, we would probably do the same. I think I would have done the same. I think I would have ditched Jesus just to go get some food because I was hungry. And it's absolutely normal for the first human instincts to be eating or drinking. I mean, that's what we do as soon as we're born. We want to eat. We want to drink. And the need for energy and attention. But our needs, can are they greater than a non-Christian person's needs? Oftentimes, that's a rhetorical question. It's a question that has an obvious answer. We know the answer. Of course not. Our needs are not greater than the non-Christian person's needs, especially their human soul. Jesus knew that. That was his meat. His ministering brought him more joy. In the end, it brought him more joy and more satisfaction to know that he did God's will than the satisfaction of having food in his body. 
That was the bottom line. Serving someone else brought him more pleasure than eating, especially when you're famished. And his explanation gives us a greater picture of God's vision too. He looked at the Samaritan people right after this verse, right after he said that that was his meat. He looked over and he saw the Samaritan people. And we have a parallel passage. And you all have heard of it, especially during missions conference, Matthew 9, 37 and 38. We know that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. He wept. When, he, when this Jew who ought to hate the Samaritan looked over and he saw the Samaritans dressed in white, he wasn't filled with hatred as the normal Jew's person was. He was filled with compassion and he wept. Jesus looked over at the multitude. He was moved with compassion and similar to the prophet Jeremiah who wept over Jerusalem because of their lost condition into sin. Take a look with me at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51. Mine eye affected mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If Jesus came to our church today on this Wednesday service and he sat with us and we asked, do you have any prayer requests? Jesus' prayer request will be, yes, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more laborers into his field. In fact, that's the only recorded prayer request Jesus ever made. Pray that God will send more laborers into my field. If, if you ever asked a missionary on our field, one of our 98 missionaries on the field right now, hey, what is your greatest prayer request? I'm almost positive that they will always no doubt say, um, we need more laborers. We need more people. The work of evangelism doesn't stop at the pastor. It doesn't stop at the church staff. It was never meant to stop at a certain type of person. It is to be done by every person that calls themselves a Christian. This is why Jesus made the comparison to a harvest, it is to be done in every season of the year. Every single one of us is sent by God into this harvest field. John 4, verse 36 to 38. 36, sorry. John 4, 36 to 38. It says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that wherein ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. 
And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. And then John 20, verse 21, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. Jesus sends us. I did some research, and according to Joshua, the Joshua Project website, and also Missions Beyond Borders, they're not just a Baptist website. They're talking about mainly Protestant churches. And here were the statistics they came up with. Our world today remains largely unreached. And there is more than 60% of the world population who still have not even heard of Jesus Christ, not even as a curse word. The annual income of Christians all around the world is approximately worth $12.3 trillion, but only $11.4 billion of that money will go to missions, of which 86% of that $11.4 billion will go to Christian ministries amongst Christians, which is Sunday school, bus ministries, Christian schools, and etc. Only 1% will go of that 86%. Only 1% will go to support missions to reach the completely unreached, the ones who've never heard of Jesus Christ, which means that just under a penny, if you do the math, just under a penny will go to reach the unreached. 60% of the international students that come to Canada and the U.S. come from unreached nations. Close to 90% of the international students that come from unreached countries. So remember, the unreached countries are the countries that have never heard Jesus Christ. That come from these unreached countries return with any contact with the gospel. 90% of these international students that come to Canada and to the U.S. will return with ever, without ever hearing the gospel. There are an estimated 140,000 missionaries that preach the gospel around the world today and that are actively teaching. More than half are in the top five most reached countries. What are the top five? U.S., Canada, Mexico, Brazil, and Philippines. It is estimated that in 180, so in the year 100, there was about 360 unbelievers for every Christian. But today, there's 7.3 unbelievers to every Christian. But we live in a time where media is saturated, where we have the tools to do something, but we're paralyzed for some reason by disobedience or self-glorification or even pleasures of this world. Now, my, here's my conclusion. Jesus went out of his way to do God's will. He went out of his way, and we should too. Jesus cared more about the needs of others before his own, and we should too. Jesus saw the lost, and he was moved with compassion to do something about it. And just as the Father sent Christ to a lost and dying world, he sent us to reach this world. Now, this message is not meant to guilt you. I don't want to guilt you, because guilt is not something that will last forever. But do ask yourself to give, to get a burden from the Lord for lost people. Get a burden. Get an appetite 
to do God's will. And even the lost people of this city. You may not always have the opportunity to reach them, but it is important to set aside your own needs for a moment to do the will of God. Set aside your tasks so that you can do God's work. Would you set aside some time this week to do the work of God, to, the will, to do the will of the Father? Would you put aside a portion of your funds to reach the unreached, something just above your tithe? This is what I believe is the greatest diet a Christian should be on, the filling of ourselves by doing the work of the Father, looking to do God's will every single day seeking to satisfy ourselves with what God would want as opposed to what we would want. He must increase, I must decrease. What you will start to notice is that your spiritual life will all of a sudden start to get strengthened. And more and more, the trials in your life will also start seeming more bearable because you have God's power with you. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Prioritizing God, that's seeking after righteousness. Prioritizing others, that's seeking after righteousness too. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in a weak way. We're not meant to live trying to survive. We're supposed to thrive. And a good Christian will seek after these things, will change their diet to be more of an appetite to do God's will. That's a Christian diet. Forget this world's pleasures. Forget your needs. Seek after God. Seek after his will and do it. I'll close up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this message, even for myself, I need to apply more. All of us, we can admit that we need to apply it more to seek after righteousness, to seek after a good appetite, wanting to do more of your will than anything else. What is your will for us? Lord, you've shown it in your word. Help us to do it. Help us to seek after that, to prioritize that in our life. As we return to our homes, I pray, Lord, that our minds would be filled with wanting to do what you want us to do, wanting to do your will. That is what we seek for. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us, somewhere or another, we would seek to be evangelists, to want to teach the gospel to someone, want to reach someone for the Lord. Even now, this Saturday, those who will be coming out for uh, flyering and door knocking perhaps we pray lord that you would just bless them bless them and just strengthen them spiritually bless us as well as we pray and end the remainder of our service we thank you lord and we praise you and we pray this in jesus name thank you for watching the message today we invite you to join us again every sunday and wednesday for more inspiring messages from god's word Thank you.